Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. So today we have a wonderful uh, interview with Joel Pollack, senior editor at large for Breitbart News, my favorite website. And he talks with me about the biggest threats to America. And Mr. Pollack speculates on the his opinion of the true motives of the January 6th hearings. What would a DeSantis bid for the presidency be like and how South Africa's energy failures right now? might be a warning for California's green energy initiatives. It's a great interview. I think you're going to love it. But before we play that for you, we're putting the team on the hot seat. And uh, my crack team of Karen O'Toole, Ryan O'Callaghan, look at that, two O's, and Douglas O'Lynn, who make everybody an honorary leprechaun today. The great team of the Savage team that make it all happen. They're going to... Tell us which stories jumped out at them in the news today. So who wants to begin? Nobody wants to begin. It's just like a school. Nobody raises their hand. Okay, Ryan, begin. Uh, I was on Breitbart this morning and I saw a 
opinion piece by Nolte. Biden administration flies illegal alien minors out of Texas for abortions. Now, uh, just the cost of fuel alone. I mean, I, I tried to get a flight recently for later this year, and it was several hundred dollars more than it used to be. So to me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to fly non-citizens around the country using, I don't even know how much money in fuel, um, spending all the taxpayer dollars to get them abortions. I mean, they're it, calling them unauthorized immigrants. I mean, That's the new name for them. It's it's getting sicker by the day. Um, no, it is. I've never seen a meltdown as quickly as under this psychotic bastard. And I mean, this psychotic. It's, 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 it. it's minors, too. It's not like adults. It's been, they're saying that these oh illegal alien pregnant minors. They're yes. flying them to other states to get them aborted. Okay, yeah. what other jumped out? What other story jumped out, Ryan? Um, well, um, unfortunately, it has to do with the shooter. Um, the father of the Highland Park shooter who helped him obtain the guns claims his son has, quote, um, good mortal. Good mortal. <laughs> this is from the Gateway Pundit. And supposed to show that the parents on this are need to be held accountable for um, the child that created um, if, if he's going to sit there and pretend that, you know, he's going to put his kid up on a pedestal after what it was in 2019 when um, the shooter threatened to kill his own family and had a run in with the police, found with, you know, do dozens of knives and a sword. And he belonged in a mental hospital. This is the solution to the issue. There are mentally ill people like him in this country. He's a big pot smoker as well, incidentally, which he has in common. Who sent me that? Uh, there was an article by Miranda Devine that Douglas sent. Yeah. I sent it this morning. It really jumped out at me. Uh, the title is Did Re Did Reefer Drive the Highland Park Par Parade Killer to Madness? And it's just very interesting because nobody's talking about the link between marijuana and these you know, acts of violence. I did so two, three years ago on the podcast. Yeah. But, you know, you found the article on uh, the New York Post. They said he habitually smoked cannabis. And here's the killer. A habit he appeared to share with young mass shooters, including at Uvalde, Dayton, Parkland and Aurora. Yeah. And Miranda Devine writes, obviously, we didn't make them commit their evil acts, but it may have scrambled their brains enough for empathy to take a holiday. I have to be I have to repeat it over and over again. We all know the ER rooms are filled with people who are falling into overt psychosis. Mentally ill people who are going over the edge because of weed. And this is one of the greatest mass hysterias I've ever seen in my entire life, which is selling such a destabilizing drug to Western populations as though it's a health food. Uh, what other articles, Brian? That was a good lead. Uh, Doug, any other articles jumped out at you? You said the reefer madness, Miranda Devine. What else? Oh, there. Uh, uh, the from the Republican Party. Uh, John Thune has asked Biden for more foreign workers to fill U.S. jobs, even though our unemployment rate's out of control and there's millions of people looking for jobs. The oh, minority whip wants, wants more H-2B foreign visa workers. Yeah. South Dakota. Like yeah, they're having they're having a problem filling all of their their technical needs in South Dakota. What what are they raising in South Dakota? Cattle. I honestly I I. Well, what's an H two B visa for? More illegal immigration. Oh. We we'll have to look into that. Okay, and what's the next one, Doug? That you found? Oh, uh, you know, we're in the middle of this this out of control inflation, but uh, the Sem Democrats are pushing for five hundred dollars for five hundred uh, what five hundred billion dollars in the budget for uh, climate control and Obamacare. Oh, uh, I see. That wouldn't that wouldn't hurt inflation at all. No, no, no. Are they as Schumer arguing that would be stabilizing for inflation? putting yeah, a half it, a trillion dollars into this crap. It, it, it's going to save us money in the long run. They're saying $500 billion package yeah. reforms for healthcare, climate change and taxes. Wow. Healthcare, energy and taxes. 
Well, nothing ever changes. They're the same party. They've always been communists, leftists, socialists, anti-Americans, anti-family, anti-God and anti-church. Other than that, they're wonderful people, all of them. (laughs) Karen, what did you find in the news that struck you? Paul, first story is so Biden DOJ is suing to block Arizona's proof of citizenship law. Mm. So they were trying to pass a law coming up in January. Well, they passed the law. It was about to start in January. You would have to prove driver's license, passport, birth certificate, or naturalization papers to vote. So um, they're, tr- they're, of course, trying to overturn that and stop that from taking effect in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the headlines from the Savage team. And um, we're still recovering from the latest mass shooting. It affected me very deeply. I was actually quite destabilized for several days because I don't know what country I live in anymore. And we can talk about that. I know if I say too many people are able to get their hands on assault weapons, you'll immediately say, oh, you're anti-gun. They're not assault weapons. They are assault weapons. They're military grade weapons. Does anyone on this team disagree with me? Not at all. If you watch the I saw a video clip of the parade and you can hear rapid gunfire that I mean, it sounds like a war zone and uh, I own guns. I'm not a gun hater. I'm not a gun lover. It's a tool that I hope to never have to use. But at the same time, I mean, how can someone get that gun, especially when they have a history of obvious mental illness and threaten to kill their own family? Uh, it, it, it boggles my mind. Well, he and never he never should have been able to buy a gun. Didn't his father sign for him? The father who says he has good morals. Yeah. yeah. Sounds father like the father's a psycho. Yeah, he should be in prison, too. And Well, I think they're going to be arrested. They definitely aided and abetted this crazy. For years, I've been saying reopen the mental hospitals. This person, if you looked at him, he was anorexic. He had tattoos on his face. He showed all the earmarks of a mentally ill person. Not only not solely for the anorexia and the tattoos on his face, but you combine that with his eyes and his prior uh, run ins with the law. This man belonged in a mental hospital. What about the music video, the uh, music video where he was in a classroom, up in, you know, military grade? I don't know. Well, how was he able to buy a gun? <laughs> There's a lot of questions that can go unanswered here. Boy. I don't know this world. I can this country survive three more years without a leader. Legendary actor dead. Oh, James Conn died. Wow. Oh, damn it. My age. Great. I love to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to let that get to me. Age 82. That's too close to home. (laughs) (laughs) Just like for whom the bell tolls, you know, I mean, it's like every day there goes another one of my age. Great. (laughs) So we're looking at the news today to go along with our great interview with Joel Pollack coming up on the uh, Michael Savage podcast. And I'm looking at a headline. There's James Kahn dead at 82. I said to the team, great. Another one my age just kicked over. I said, you know, for whom the bell tolls, the Bronx born. Hello. Check that box. Queens raised actor. Check that box. Starred in The Godfather. Don't check that box. He was 82. Blah, blah, blah. What did he die from? Then you look, no cause of death. All right, look, people. He played Sonny Corleone, blah, 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 blah. James Conner rides for The Godfather, 50th anniversary. While Conn played a tough guy, the actor said the exact opposite for misery alongside Kathy Bates. Oh, well, oh, well. He did comedy. He had five children. Okay, that's good. I hope they all got along. And I'm sure they're going to go after his money pretty quickly. That'll be the next headline. That'll be the next headline. Children sue each other for James Conn's estate. So let's look at uh, michaelsavage.com. Bojo lost his mojo. That's Boris Johnson. I don't know. You know, nobody in America really cares about that. He was always sort of, you know, he was a journalist. You know what he said about me when I was banned in Britain? Does anyone remember? I quoted it on the back of banned in Britain. Boris Johnson was a journalist at the time I was banned in Britain. And he said, is this American talk show host so dangerous that we should be afraid to have him in Britain, which I thought was very clever. So he was a very clever journalist who became prime minister, very much like Mussolini became 
the dictator of Italy. What is this with media people becoming prime ministers of Western nations or leaders? How does this happen? Well, I guess they couldn't be any worse than Biden. GoFundMe deletes page for NYC bodega clerk who failed. What did you see that story? A bodega worker, an old man, defended himself um, against a. Uh, he's 51 years old. He works in a little deli in Manhattan. He gets attacked by an African-American male. I have to say that because you need to know the races here. A young African-American male, as strong as iron, comes in and starts beating him up because something about chips with the girlfriend. And this old man with a white beard defends himself. And in the defense, he stabs the attacker and kills him. Listen to this. Guess who's in jail now? The old man, because of this Soros funded DA, Alvin Bragg. They threw him into prison. He's now suffering in the prison. I can never saw anything like this. The man went behind the counter. He attacks this old Hispanic man. They set up a new a GoFundMe page to cover Alba's legal fees. It's a mom and pop shop. And look what's happened to him for defending himself. The daughter said it was either him or the guy at the moment. How could this happen in America today? How could Alvin Bragg, a DA put in there by the most evil man on earth? Like we had a DA like him in, in San Francisco, like the one in, in Philadelphia. All these left wing DAs are now putting ordinary citizens in prison and letting the criminals run wild. This is one of the most horrible stories I've ever seen. This man defended himself. I don't understand how in the man, how Bragg doesn't go to prison. He can't have that much power, but he does. Army says soldiers must shower with transgender persons. How's that for group cohesion? <laughs> Look at the idiot running the military. An army training slide obtained by Breitbart News instructs soldiers to shower with transgender members of the opposite sex, even if they have not undergone a surgical transition. The training slide offers a vignette instructing soldiers on what to do if they encounter a female soldier who identifies as male. That's according to the moron who runs the Department of Defense, another genius. The slide is entitled Soldier Unit Training Barracks, Bathrooms and Showers. They must accept living and working conditions that are often austere, primitive in character. Blah, 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 blah. They should be respectful of the privacy and modesty concerns of others. But that transgendered soldiers are not required or expected to modify or adjust their behavior based on the fact that they do not match other soldiers. And any such violation will be uh, punished by the new Nazi code under the psychopath running the military. I don't understand this. I, I don't understand how this works. I don't know how the country could be dying like this. This order reversed the policy under the Trump administration that prohibited transgender persons with gender dysphoria from serving. I, I never saw anything like this under Biden. And by the way, he's evil. He's not senile. He's absolutely evil. He's re rebuilding America in the image of the sickest people on the planet. He's weakening us. I mean, if you were an enemy, if you hated Western civilization and saw this going on, you'd be wringing your hands with a smile on your face saying they're imploding and ripe for the taking. Just wait. They can't recruit people now because of these things. No. Healthy heterosexual men don't want to serve in this sick military under this ma maniac. My brother, huh? my, my brother just left for the Navy and one of the recruit, he just He's in boot camp. We haven't spoken with him. One of the recruiters didn't want to get the vaccine. He wasn't actually a recruiter. They removed him from a ship because he didn't want to comply. And they made him a recruiter. And he's they're currently it's working its way through to the Supreme Court. Uh, but they're taking some of the best people off the front lines, off their duty and removing them if they're non-compliant with some of these. Oh, that's the new America. It doesn't matter if the ships can be sailed or if the yeah. planes can be. Listen, it doesn't matter if our planes can be flown or the ships can be sailed. That's not important. Battle has no meaning at all to, to Biden, the commander and moronic chief. So 
If the ships are idled at sea or tied up at port, the planes are sitting on the runway. The important thing is that transgenders can get into the cockpits. Excuse me, there's a dirty one. Get into the cockpits of the planes. They have to change that, by the way. That made me embarrassed to say that. And the um, transgenders can get into the uh, captain's chair on the ships in port with the ships tied up and make believe they're flying the plane, make believe they're sailing the ship and they can make videos. We're flying the airplane, but they're not really flying the airplane. They can hire they can hire Disney cinematographers and Disney producers to make believe they're flying airplanes. That's the important thing. Well, that's it for the Savage Nation warm up today. And now you're going to listen to a great interview with Joel Pollack, editor extraordinaire from Breitbart.com. We'll be right back. And thank you for sharing this with 10 other people. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. Well, Joel Pollack, it's an honor to have you on the Michael Savage podcast, your senior editor at large and in-house counsel at Breitbart News, my favorite website. It's a terrible time, Joel. I, I was really actually agitated all night over not only the shootings, by this psycho. And we're going to talk today, of course, about the January 6th charade or Stalinist show trial and Casey Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony falling apart. I mean, the wheels came off her this weekend. I I just want to go back to the shootings on July 4th by that left wing fanatic. Now, I look carefully at some of the pictures of him earlier in the day, and there was some kind of anarchist symbol on his desk. It got dropped immediately by the bigger news. Did you notice that, Joel? Any any relationships of this psychopathic shooter to any left wing political orientation was dropped out of all the news stories? Well, one thing you can predict with all of these stories is they're going to try to find some way to connect these shooters to right wing extremists. And they're also going to try to link him to Donald Trump. So I've already heard that connection as something the media are trying to establish. But look, in almost all of these cases, the people who carry out these terrorist attacks and really an attack by a gunman on a Fourth of July parade is a terrorist attack, no matter what group that individual purports to represent or doesn't. Many of them are just crazy. And this kid, if you look at him, just from photographs that were released by law enforcement, He's nuts. He's got the face tattoos. He's 120 pounds. That's very small. For He's anorexic. I saw his arms. He was starving himself. Yeah, well, he's a mental case who belonged in a mental hospital. And, and the sad thing is that with many of these cases, there are also all kinds of warning signs where he posted violent imagery. He talked about doing this many times and people didn't intervene. So that's what we're left with. And the media, of course, will be determined to connect this to the conservative movement. Although, of course, we just had a few days ago an attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice by a left wing terrorist who also, by the way, had mental health issues. But we're not seeing any demand that the left collectively take responsibility for that, even though there are some on the left who are actively calling for disruption and violence in response to the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. So you're absolutely right. There's a media bias in how 
is covered, but it's worse than that. The media likes stoking this kind of thing. They like us at each other's throats. And Joel, he filmed himself on the parade route. He posted violent content online. Why was he not arrested with violent content? I mean, how does this work in this country if they're signaling they're going to kill? Right. You're a lawyer. I know the law. I mean, the law is you can't arrest them until they kill someone or shoot someone. Right. Right. The First Amendment protects a lot of that, but they've got to be able to intervene, at least get a visit from law enforcement. And look, I know that community very well. I grew up on the North Shore in Chicago. I grew up in Skokie, which is south of Highland Park, went to Highland Park many times every week. Usually, Isn't Highland Park a very liberal, mainly Jewish community or largely Jewish community? Meaning it is. Very- it, it is very liberal. It is disproportionately Jewish. It's a very beautiful community. It's right on the lake. They have a very nice downtown area. And they are the core of the liberal Democratic support on Chicago's oh. shore. They have a oh. lot of gun control laws. They have an assault weapons ban. They have various gun-free zones. Oh. And unfortunately, none of that prevents a mass shooting like this. And they had law enforcement there, obviously, at the parade. But the gunman found the one area they weren't looking at. He found an unsecured ladder. He climbed up to the roof and he fired at people. And it shows you that these gun control laws are not the issue. They're not the solution. They're also not what's fundamentally driving this phenomenon. You know, I should say that at at Breitbart News, and, and I note that you haven't mentioned this guy's name either. We're not mentioning his name unless there's some reason it would help because one thing that's clear from his writing is that he sought notoriety and fame or infamy through doing this. And we're seeing a lot of these shootings lately, I think, because there is something of a copycat pattern. Mm. And the media like to give these killers more publicity and to explore every bit of grotesque detail of their private lives. Some of that is important for informing the public, but you don't need to ruminate over it. And I think that for mm. this criminal and others like him, the attention they're going to get is part of the attraction of carrying out a terrible crime like this. So I think it's important to be very careful about how we use information about these people and and just note that this is in many ways a social phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon, and it doesn't have much to do with the kind of gun control laws you have in your particular town. I think we need social media control. He has an IMDb I am the B page. He started uploading music to the Internet when he was 11. Now we know his albums of the psychopath. Suddenly he's gotten what he want, wants. He's famous. But we can move on to the bigger story, which will affect America for a long time to come, because the media won't let this one go, which is the January 6th uh, disgrace. Now, I saw something yesterday that was very positive, which is Jay Johnson, who was as liberal as they come, former federal prosecutor, came out and said it was overreach on the part of the committee to have permitted Cassidy Hutchinson to give was a third party testimony that Donald Trump jumped from the backseat of the car and tried to grab the steering wheel to go to the to the riot. And it turned out to be he said even that was too far, you know, it was too big too put too far a push. Do you think that the hearings are going to fall apart on them? Yes and no. I think they have fallen apart already in terms of convincing the public and in terms of even referring Donald Trump for criminal prosecution, which is what some of those members of the committee want to do. But it has succeeded in creating a media firestorm around Donald Trump. And I think, unfortunately, he's played into it by responding to this committee. This obviously is a one-sided committee. In my view, it's a constitutionally impermissible and legally flawed committee. It doesn't have a mandate to do anything. It's violating its enabling resolution. It's violating the separation of powers. It really shouldn't be allowed to continue. And the courts should not have let it continue. I think when various witnesses filed lawsuits in federal court against the committee, pointing out all these problems, the judges should have issued temporary injunctions preventing Mm. holding public hearings. So they've allowed this to continue. I don't think it's convinced anyone. I think Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony falling apart is a big part of the problem. But, you know, they've also abused witnesses. One of my colleagues at Breitbart News, Ken Klikowski, he writes about legal affairs for Breitbart. He used to be a lawyer in the Trump administration. 
And he willingly cooperated with his committee, even though he knew everything wrong with it. He went along, he sat for two days of testimony. Mm. Then they accused him of being one of the co-conspirators in what they call the coup attempt or an attempt to overturn the election. And he came out with a press statement saying that's absolutely false and the committee knows it's false. I sat for two days of depositions. I gave them everything that I had. They know what my views were at the time and now about January 6th. He did not believe that the vice president could stop the certification of votes. He was very much opposed to what the strategy of mm. be. But they flipped it completely on its head and they took out this one letter that he signed and he explains in his statement, he signed it thinking it was for someone else, not knowing that some other people had already disagreed with it, but he wasn't, wasn't even part of this discussion, but they've made him out to be a co-conspirator. So they have no wow. response to that. They have no response to the fact that they've abused witness testimony. They did what Adam Schiff did in the first impeachment. They had everybody give depositions under penalty of perjury and prosecution behind closed doors. So they audition their information, they audition their witnesses, and then they pull out only what they want the public to see. So my colleague, Ken Klikowski, is demanding they release his entire transcript. Of course, they're not going to do that until they're forced to do it. But this is the problem with the committee. It's basically become the new McCarthyism, worse, mm. in fact. And I think the public has lost faith in it. But the Washington Beltway establishment, they're obsessed with it because it's doing for them what it was designed to do, which is to toxify Donald Trump. And you may like Donald Trump or not like Donald Trump, but the Republican voters are the ones who are going to decide whether he makes a run in 2024. And this committee is trying to foreclose that option. So they say they're defending democracy, but they're actually destroying democracy. They're preventing the democratic process from taking place. They're interfering in an election, you could say, because they're trying to toxify one of the candidates through innuendo. They don't have anything to pin on him, nothing no law, no state or federal prosecutor has charged Donald Trump with anything. They can't. So they're just trying to smear him. And they're smearing a lot of innocent people in the process. And that's what's, I think, driving public disinterest. But it, it, they don't care. This is doing for them what they wanted it to do. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there's a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall. Well, you know, we could talk about the fact that it may backfire on them, because if they nullify Trump from running, even though I hope he does run and I would vote for him, but if they nullify him, it, it seems to me DeSantis might have a better shot because he's more appealing to the centrists than Trump, who's been turned into what he's not. They vilify Trump. They accuse him of things he's never done. Of course, they'll go after DeSantis the minute DeSantis becomes the candidate. However, they're going to have a lot of trouble with DeSantis, Joel. I think you'd agree with me. Isn't he a former Army Ranger, West Point? I mean, what can they do to this man that they have not tried to do? They will just make things up the way they do about anybody. Remember the attack on DeSantis in 2018 when he ran for Florida governor the first time was that he was somehow a racist uh -huh. and he barely survived that. He just squeaked by. In fact, on Election Day, he was losing in the polls. He only won by less than one percent. Oh. Now, of course, his opponent, who is in a lot of legal trouble, looks like he would have been a complete disaster for Florida. So with 2020 hindsight, everyone realizes that was a lot closer than it should have been, but they will smear DeSantis any way they can. Yep. And the left already has a very fixed idea of DeSantis. They believe that he killed people because he opened his economy too soon. It doesn't matter what the facts are. They'll just say that and they'll go after He's him. He's loved in Florida, though. Oh, like, people adore him in Florida. I was in Florida in November and people said, welcome to the free world. I mean, this I is know. where people are going to be free to live the right. way America used to live and want to live. But look, I think he's a viable candidate as well. I think you've got Senator Tom Cotton. I think you've got possibly former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. There are, there are a lot of candidates who could make a case for themselves. One thing I think is clear, though, this idea they're going to rid the party of Trumpism, even if Trump isn't the nominee, I think mm -hmm. is insane. But that's that's what Liz Cheney and these others want to do. They want to get rid of the idea that Trump stood for, which is, among other things, the idea that America has national interests that have to be defended yep. or all else. <laughs> Borders language culture, to put it simply, and from my point of view, my old motto, uh, he did take a lot of that. I, those ideas I was told by um, 
I, it's not that I'm sitting here to try and glorify myself, but I know from an individual who I shouldn't name who <laughs> in trouble himself, who said we boiled your books down and basically he knows it. And that's why he said, without this man, I wouldn't be president. So maybe I'll be uh, attacked for this. But I do believe that the putative nationalism that he ran on, the modicum of nationalism that he ran on, helped him win. He had a real message. However, it's hard to destroy a man like DeSantis, who, as I say, West Point, Army Ranger, great governor. They're going to have a lot of trouble, uh, especially if he runs again, Gavin Newsom, because Newsom will never escape the scandal of the French laundry. I think that one will stain him. Sorry to use a bad metaphor. The laundry will stain Newsom forever. Well, I just got back yesterday from South Africa and South Africa is a beautiful country with nice people, wonderful culture, interesting history, but it's in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, some of the things that's hap- that are happening in South Africa are happening in California, in Newsom's California. Hmm. For similar reasons, one of the problems they have in South Africa is they can't keep the lights on. They didn't plan for the future. They didn't build enough power plants. The economy grew, but they ran out of electricity. So where in South Africa, in South Africa, right? So, Joe, I I see you were born there. I was born there. I grew up in Chicago. My parents immigrated when I was a baby. So Hmm. I grew up as American as everybody else, but took an interest in South Africa, especially as it was going through its political transition in the 1990s. And it was a miraculous Mm. transition in many ways from apartheid to multiracial democracy. But 10 or 15 years in, the government was taken over by racial nationalists who Mm. tried to argue that racial justice was a good excuse for the ruling party helping itself to all kinds of goodies and jobs and contracts. And so they started investing in redistribution rather than in growth. And they stopped building new power plants, even though at the time, 2001 or so, when I was there, they had the cheapest electricity in the world. And they were talking about new nuclear technology. They had the engineering skills. They had the capacity. And it's all gone downhill. So there was almost never a day that I was there for two weeks that we had electricity the entire day. Now, this is in winter. So you can imagine what happens when you can't heat your home. Where where was this in Johannesburg, the major city? Johannesburg, Cape Town, uh, but especially Johannesburg. Cape Town is a little bit different because it's governed by the opposition. And the opposition party, which is more like, you could say, sort of center-right in this country, they are investing in private power generation. They also have other alternatives they've reached out. Are they seizing farms? Are they still taking white people's farms? They're talking about it. It's always talked about, talked about. But the real problem in rural areas is crime. So there, there's a crime problem. And now the crime problem is in many ways scarier because there are large parts of the country that don't have streetlights. I mean, if you've tried to walk through the city in the dark when there are no streetlights, which I did, by the way, on Friday, because I was walking to my cousin for the Jewish Sabbath and mm-hmm. we had a power outage because they ran out of electricity again. And we had to walk through completely pitch black streets, no mm-hmm. light at all. And I had to just remember the way to get there. Very, very scary. We had people we wanted to meet, especially women who were going to come through and say hi to the family. And they said, you know, I'm not sure I can make it because we're going to have electricity shortages and I don't want to drive home in the dark. Are people leaving? Are people people leaving? People are leaving. Most people believe their children will not stay in the country. People are leaving if they can, if they have skills. But here in California, we have the same problem. We're running out of power generating capacity. And it's not because of racial ideology necessarily, but it's because of an over-reliance on green technology. So we're turning off our fossil fuel plants. We are running out of nuclear power. They might rescue the last nuclear power plant in California, but it's scheduled to go out of service. They're not building anything new. On the water issue, same Wait, story. Wait, you mean the Diablo Point one? Yeah, that's right. Diablo Canyon. There's a bill in the legislature to keep it alive, but basically it's supposed to be phased out. Uh, in the time that I've been here, I've lived in California for almost 12 years. In the time that I've been here, we saw the San Onofre plant come offline and that didn't need to come offline either that was 17 percent. very clean energy isn't france yeah. running 40 percent on nuclear energy israel's what 80 percent nuclear energy right and and what happens when you run out of electricity is that rich people or large institutions turn to generators so they're pumping diesel generators to keep mm-hmm. the light which are much worse for the climate than coal power now south africa has a lot of coal a lot of coal, but they signed the Paris Climate Accords, so nah. they can't build new coal power plants. They've got to build new solar and wind. 
Now, luckily for them, they have a lot of sunshine and a lot of wind, but the easy way to get poor people heat in the winter and lights for their homes is to just get some more coal power going, but they can't do it because they've signed these left-wing agreements. So you look but at wait, even France is starting and Germany's burning coal again because of the Ukraine war, right? right? So you look at all this and you look at Newsom, what has he actually done in California? Okay. I look around here. I see nothing that Newsom has accomplished in one term, nothing. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I remember feeling frustrated, disappointed, and really, it, it felt personal. I, it was really sad. As an American, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. Why is the left so obsessed with LGBTQ, LSMFT issues? Why have they made that the only driving issue for themselves? What is wrong with them? Why is OK? We all agree there should be human rights for everyone. But why has that become the obsession of the Democrat left? Because they define themselves in the shadow of the civil rights movement. And they believe that the civil rights movement is really the lodestone. It's, it's, it's the most important archetype politically for them. They, they get their political identity from the idea that they are rising up against an unjust system of discrimination. So the fact that we have done away with discrimination and we've created all this amazing, wonderful opportunity in this country that's a problem for the Democratic Party because they keep having to look for new causes. So they have to invent new categories. I see. OK, that makes sense. You remember it was George Washington Carver who wrote that great, great statement, which I quoted all through the 90s. And I think he I, I don't remember it offhand, but I'll paraphrase. There is a certain class of Negro and I'm quoting him, George Washington Carver, who will continuously uh, create grievances for himself because it's economically advantageous to do so. And he was talking about this in the 19, excuse me, the 1920s, I think, Carver, meaning there will never be peace because they always it's like Animal Farm. They always need to demonize somebody who's trying to oppress somebody and they're the savior. But let's get back to January 6th. I know your time is short. I've watched the hearings. I'm embarrassed by them. I'm angry by them, angered by them. You're in the media. You run a uh, senior editor at large at Breitbart. You're also an attorney. What are the ratings for these hearings? So the first one had pretty good ratings. The first night when they did it in prime time, people tuned in to see what it was about. Then they went to C-SPAN daytime television and the ratings cratered. They've just collapsed because these are not interesting proceedings. Now, they're being stage managed by a former ABC News God. producer and What's really jarring, if you watch these hearings, is that you can see the teleprompters oh feeding God. to the members of the committee. And I don't know why there aren't more photographs of that, because they're all over the wire services. You can get them on Getty and the Associated Press. Wait, wait, so there's pictures of, of um, teleprompters telling the people on the committee what to do and what to say? Exactly. You can look at the pictures taken from behind the rostrum. And they have a script for Cheney and Benny Thompson and all oh. these other. So it's not a real hearing where they're getting evidence and responding and asking questions. It's a show trial. It's literally a show trial. Have we ever seen this in American history before? We have not. And we have also never seen anything like the idea of denying the minority party the ability to appoint members to mm. be part of. The you know, when they put Hillary Clinton through the Benghazi committee hearings. There were Democrats on that committee and they were given opportunities by the Republican chairman, Trey Gowdy, to voice objections, to state their own opinions, and people could make up their minds. That's how this ought to have been run. It wasn't run. And what we're seeing is a show trial. It's, is it it's Pelosi behind this? Absolutely. Pelosi is behind it. And whatever happened with Paul Pelosi's drunk driving charge, did that get dropped and forgotten in the midst I, I of the hearings? Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's been dropped. It has been moved aside in terms of media attention. That, ah. that's and what about all the alleged self-dealing of the Pelosi's? That's sort of forgot. Look, they're very smart. This is one of the smartest couples in the world. 
and they know the greatest strategy is the greatest form of defense is offense. So to keep right. everyone of them, they're, they're, this is part of their plan. They're very clever. Doesn't the media, even even the, the illegitimate media, see through this? Well, if you watch different hearings on Capitol Hill or different media briefings, it's very interesting to see the difference. The, the most slavish journalists in Washington, D.C. are the ones you see at the Speaker of the House weekly press conference uh. under Nancy because she's so punitive toward journalists who ask her challenging questions that they learn very quickly not to ask difficult questions. So you'll see more challenging questions, even in the White House briefing room, which is plenty sycophantic. You'll see more challenging questions Mm. there than you will when Nancy Pelosi gives her briefing because she gets angry at the journalists who ask her difficult questions and they get frozen out. So, well, she's Mussolini in a skirt. I know who she is. Everyone knows the background of that of that group. And she's a very dangerous woman, very dangerous to turn her into your enemy. But getting back to the January 6th charade. So the ratings dropped off the map. And yet I understand there's going to be another quote hearing this week. Is that correct? I don't know about this week. I I would not be surprised. They're often springing new hearings on everyone. They did say they'd have more hearings, more witnesses in July. But, you know, what they've done is interesting. They've said that this previous hearing, Cassidy Hutchinson, was so important that it changed everything and so forth. But now they've been exposed as having manipulated the evidence. She's been exposed as having probably lied about what happened. And of course, it's all, as you mentioned in the opening, it's all hearsay. It's not even just hearsay. It's hearsay about hearsay. But Jay Johnson even said that it was an overreach on their part to say Trump grabbed the steering wheel. I knew it stank from the minute I heard it. But wait, isn't that called contempt of Congress when you lie before a hearing and you've sworn in on, I swear on the truth, whole truth, none of it, isn't that a crime to lie right. before? And the committee already had evidence before it that made it absolutely clear that what she was saying couldn't be the truth. They had evidence, for example, from Paul uh, Cipollone, who's the former White House counsel for Donald Trump, and he already cooperated with the committee, not under oath, because that gets into all kinds of privilege issues with the attorney client privilege that he had with the president, but he cooperated with the committee and he told them, and they knew he wasn't even in the white house on January 6th, yet they let Hutchinson testify that she had a conversation with him on January 6th. So they've gone out and they've presented false evidence. Now, if you did this in a court of law, the judge could stop the trial and they could just dismiss the entire thing with prejudice, meaning you can't bring it back again and say, you know what, I'm going to submit this to the state bar organization for sanctions. You can't be an attorney in my court and knowingly present false information and get away with it. But that's what they're doing. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. Couldn't the Republicans hold a hearing immediately holding Cassidy Hutchinson in contempt of Congress for what she just did and got caught doing. If she lied, bald face lied. Yes. Couldn't well, the Republicans I, embarrass the hell out of them with I, a I've trial heard, of her. Yeah, well, they, they could have her come back and testify once they control the committee. Right. They don't have the majority. But after November, after January next year, when pre- Republicans presumably take over the House, they could do that. They could also have subpoenas issued to Adam Schiff. Why not? Adam Schiff is issuing subpoenas to members of the Republican opposition. I think Adam Schiff's got a lot of explaining to do because he lied about Russia collusion. He lied about the impeachment. He covered up the whistleblower. He would not explain how private phone numbers and phone numbers or phone conversations between the president and his attorney at the time, Rudy Giuliani, couldn't explain how that made it into their investigation without notifying the people. So he's been living like a little totalitarian there. Yeah, he's an evil man. He's purely evil. But so are all the others on the committee. Liz Cheney is frightening to watch. What is she trying to to gain by this? Why doesn't she just become a Democrat? I think this is all about ego. And she and the political establishment that she represents are very upset that Donald Trump pushed them aside, that he did better than they did that he avoided war for four years, but achieved better foreign policy outcomes. Thank you. No inflation, no war, gasoline prices low. And that was a crime against the Republican National Committee, I suppose. Remember, everyone forgets Cheney Bush. I mean, and everyone forgets that the Bush family is still the most powerful behind the scenes Republican force in the country. 
next to Donald Trump, and they hate Trump for what he said about their son, Jeb. I remember it during the primaries. I'll never forget how he embarrassed Jeb Bush. And one thing I know from studying this, Joel, is that Barbara Bush, who is the power behind it all, she's like a Nancy Pelosi. She never forgets her enemies. And I, I truly believe it's the Bush family using Liz Cheney to uh, prosecute Donald Trump. You have that. You also have her co-committee member, Adam Kinzinger, who I knew in Illinois when I used to live there and I was involved in politics there. He came up in 2010 as a Tea Party Republican. Oh, my and God. Now he's basically a useful idiot for this totalitarian committee. <laughs> and like all useful idiots, he has been done away with. The Democrats in Illinois rewarded him for his loyalty by drawing him out of his congressional district. So he's going to leave politics after this year. He doesn't have a future. And oh that's part of, of cooperating with these people. Okay, so getting back to the January 6th hearing, who, who do you think, the, well, no one knows, the new surprise witness that's coming up this week on this show trial? Who, the, who can that be now? That Trump threw a ham sandwich at a, at a synagogue when he was <laughs> nine years old in Queens? Yeah, I have no idea. It'll be interesting to watch. But again, you can't do this in a normal legal proceeding. The other side has to know who the witness is. They have to be prepared. Oh, right. But this, this is this is Stalinist. And, and that's not too strong a term. I mean, this really is Stalinist and people's lives are being ruined. My colleague, Ken, I mentioned he has his own legal practice now. He has to worry about what being smeared by the committee means for his legal practice. Oh, my God. People are having their lives turned upside down because of not just unfair procedures, but actual lies that are being told by this committee, and they're never held accountable for them. Liz Cheney will face the voters in November. Adam Kinzinger is going to retire. And I suppose the rest of the Democrats will be out of jobs once Republicans take over. And well, they- I'm not as optimistic as many are, including yourself, about us winning the House. I'm terrified that they could either, you know, through manipulation or people turning on Republican. I'm terrified that it may not go our way, especially the millions of illegal aliens that continue yeah. to be flooded across the border. You know, and I know they're going to vote illegally. That's what's frightening me is like Stalin said, it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the vote. You well, know? here's the other thing, right? Joe Biden wouldn't say whether this year's election was going to be legitimate. So he's already spreading disinformation and doubt about the election. What did he say in one of his year when he was asked, do you think the election is going to be legitimate? He wouldn't say. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? And that's the thing. They're preparing to cast doubt on the legitimacy Ah. of the election once they lose. So they're doing the thing they accuse Trump of doing. Of course. Typical. So the January 6th hearings really are of that. It's it's a show that failed, basically. Hutchinson's been exposed as a phony. And um, now they're going to roll out another, quote, surprise witness. The show trial looks like it's it's fizzling out. It's like a, a show that opened to a couple of weeks and it went out of business. What do you think they'll try next? Well, next, they're going to try to use the state courts to go after various Trump allies, former Trump employees. Uh, You've got this fellow who used to head the Trump organization who's facing prosecution in New York over, I think it's frequent flyer miles or something. Oh, my God. They're just going to go for every technicality they can to try to drag Trump and the Trump world into court. Well, you know, I'm worried now, Joel, because when I first met Trump at Mar-a-Lago right after he won, he invited me to his table for ice cream. (laughs) Although I'm on a low fat diet and no dairy, I I couldn't say no to the man who was going to be president. I did eat uh, a half a bowl of vanilla ice cream and it was given to me for free. I wonder if that's a crime. Yeah, they're going to they're going to find crimes that, you know, they're going to make up crimes as as the Stalinist used to say, you know, show you show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Thank you. Uh, They're they're, going to come up with things. They are terrified of Donald Trump. You know, one of the things that came out of the Cassidy Hutchinson hearing as crazy as it was, was that Democrats actually believed that Donald Trump would have seized control of a vehicle from Secret Service, yeah. driven to the Capitol, and then led a phalanx of armed supporters <laughs> of the government. You know, like he was Harrison Ford in his glory days 
or something, you know, like this is some Indiana Jones movie or something like that. I mean, they've got this idea of him as this incredible, powerful, physically robust and menacing, you know, military leader slash whatever. I mean, he's kind of a super villain and, and they've got this fantasy of him and it's, it's almost as entertaining as it is shocking. Well, the, the, it must be all of the hamburgers and ice cream that have given me superpowers. <laughs> I'll have to try that <laughs> diet one yeah. of these days. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So we can laugh about this, which we have to do. We can mock these people. They're extremely dangerous. They have destroyed any remnant of this nation with this trial, and yet they won't stop. They won't call, call it quits. What do right. you think could happen that would end this? You know, the only thing that's going to end it is once they see that it leads them to defeat. So it could be the midterm elections, could be 2024, but it's going to have to be something very, very big. And, you know, speaking of their attacks on democracy, we're starting to see the media start to attack things like the 4th of July. And it's not just some radicals anymore. It's regular columnists for the Washington Post, for the Los Angeles Times. It's National Public Radio. I mean, National Public Radio used to at least have a tradition every year of reading the Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July. And they would surround it with commentary and say, you know, this is a flawed document. We've come a long way, et cetera. But they'd still read it. National Public Radio, you know, taxpayer-funded public radio. And they got rid of the Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July and had a panel discussion instead about how America is such an unequal place. Oh, you know, through that, you're not just making a political point. You're cutting away at the things that bond us together as a nation. So oh, wait, 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 we know that. But do yeah. the listeners care? I think some know that this is wrong. You know, I, I have I have liberals in my family, some of whom realize this has gotten way out of hand. Usually you realize it once something like this happens to you. Once you start getting attacked by some left wing group or another, or you're told that you're transphobic because you want to play a women's sport or something like that. But other people really think this is real. I mean, this has become a substitute for their reality. And left wing media and mainstream media, which are fueling a lot of this, you know, they've become more important even as their ratings have declined, because as people have withdrawn since COVID, as a lot of people have withdrawn from social life, their concept of reality has been replaced with what the media calls reality. And so I, I do fear that there are a lot of people who believe this stuff. Well, where are we going to go from here? I'm not so sure that the so-called Republican Party will sweep. And if they do in November, I'm not so sure they're going to do what we expect them to do. Actually, I expect them to do the opposite of what we expect them to do under Mitch McConnell. Um, Farage is saying conservatives are facing the biggest electoral cataclysm since 1997 if Boris stays. And this is on Breitbart, which I go to every day. Um, how, how is Breitbart.com doing? We're doing great. We're expanding. We are doing incredible stuff for the midterm elections. You know, what, what's interesting is that people want to come to us. They want to have themselves interviewed by Breitbart. They want Breitbart to cover their congressional races. It's really become seen. Even, even liberals? Not all, not a lot of liberals. How about one, Gavin? Would Gavin Newsom welcome an interview by you, by you for right? No, he hates us. Gavin Newsom hates us. Hate, hated Andrew. Hated, hates he the did. idea. Oh. But, you know, I will say this. Uh, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti is very much on the left. He would always answer my questions. So I'd go to press conferences or I'd attend online during COVID and I'd ask him tough questions and he, and he would answer them. I mean, my favorite was. I asked him to define systemic racism because he kept talking about how we had to do this and that for systemic racism. I said, Mayor, what is systemic racism? And he said, systemic racism is racism that is in the system. That was his that was his definition. But <laughs> but he let me ask questions, even though it was embarrassing to him sometimes. So, you know, there, there hasn't been a complete freeze out of Breitbart. But uh, and some liberal Democrats will come to us. We had a couple of presidential candidates, you know, these outside candidates in, in the last cycle. But what smart liberal readers will do is they will read Breitbart to get a sense of what the right. conservative movement is thinking. And I think that's that's a very important thing. You know, you often encounter people on the left who say, you know, I, I hate you guys, but I have to read you. So that's the best praise you can get. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. I mean, I use it every day. I link to my little website 
as often as I can. I, if I find any article anywhere else, I say, see if you see the same one on Breitbart and, and use that one. I find the writing excellent. It can't be easy running the website right now financially, is it? I mean, are you having advertiser issues? You know, we were the first site to get targeted by the boycott campaigns. And so we developed defenses very, very early on. So we're not having advertiser issues. You know, when the Me Too movement came out and the cancel culture of 2020, we had already been through all of that kind of attack, all those boycott attempts. And we incorporated fact-checking processes that are very stringent. We probably are more careful with a lot of our pieces in terms of facts than a lot of the mainstream websites. And that's because we face a much harsher penalty for being wrong. Facebook You're not under the gun, if I may ask. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love Newsmax. I'm on Newsmax TV a few times a week. They're being attacked viciously by the, by the um, as you would know, because they're a competitor now to some of them for, uh, what is this? The, the voting machine company is suing them for a fortune. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, we were very careful about that. We reported all the problems in the election, but we were very careful about not getting into areas that we couldn't verify. So ah. we didn't speculate about it. And, and that's how we stay out of trouble. I mean, we've basically just become very rigorous and disciplined about fact checking. And we're not going to get it right 100 percent of the time. Nobody does. But we avoid a lot of trouble because we were the first targets when Trump won. We were mm. public enemy number one for the liberal left boycott effort. And they tried everything they could to put us out of business. They're still trying, but because we got the brunt of it right away in 2016, we learned how to deal with it and we stayed out of a lot of trouble. But remember the first time Trump was ever kicked off of Twitter or suspended from Twitter, it was in the summer of 2020, about this time of year, we had a live stream of a press conference by doctors who had different policy ideas about COVID. Mm -hmm. and Twitter and Facebook banned our video, even though all we had done was shown up at a press conference. We weren't promoting it. We just were showing it to people like we showed people everything. And Trump shared our video, and that's why he got suspended from Twitter. Oh. So, you know, we're often the first target. So we learn very carefully when you have these live video events, you have to be careful. I mean, we have to almost do a the kind of dance that dissidents had to do in the Eastern Bloc during the Cold War to try oh to figure God. out censored but you know we have become very good at that well and what's so, your primary source of income for breitbart is it private donations is it advertising can you divulge no, that the primary source is google ads you know we you know when you go to breitbart you get ads that pop up the same way that google shows you ads on other websites you know every time i want to book a hotel for example in las vegas for a convention like the republican jewish Co coalition i'll get google ads popping up on just about every website i visit after that for hotels in las vegas you know they see there's some cookie on your website so so google basically is is providing a huge amount of revenue we get a lot of traffic through social media through sharing through facebook and twitter those companies are under intense pressure from their employees to get rid of us oh facebook considers us a news source which is a real achievement but they are under intense pressure from within to dump us as a news website. And we have very stringent requirements. If we make a certain number of mistakes in a certain period of time, we will get kicked off. It wouldn't destroy our company, but it would affect our traffic. So we've basically just learned to become very, very careful and also to provide a lot of fresh and original information. You know, our live videos do incredibly well. People prefer to watch our live video of something that you can also get on television. They want to watch it on our Facebook page because they like interacting with the other commenters. They like interacting wow. with Breitbart readers. So we get a lot of interaction from well, our- You have audience. great writers, Joel. I mean, the writers on Breitbart are really professional and they're good. We get great writers and we also have fun. You know, there's a sense of humor. If you read the site long enough, you really get into the humor and the, the kind of pulse of the site. People enjoy that. People don't need to be told what the story is. Our readers are very smart, very well-informed. They get it. So we don't have to hit the hit people over the head with mm. crazy headlines and that sort of thing. You know, they, they get it. People get it. And if they don't get it in the beginning, they get it pretty soon. And, you know, it, it's a fun place to work. Very supportive place. I, I get to do all kinds of interesting things. And, you know, this presidential campaign that's starting, you know, really now, really, I mean, candidates are already visiting Iowa and New Hampshire. It, it's going to be really interesting. And I, I think it's going to be challenging to cover because of how intensely people feel about America today, uh, you know, or about the candidates and the issues. People are, are very divided, but I think it's going to be very interesting. I think we're at a very fascinating time in our history, and, and it, it is in many ways a make or break moment. Certainly is, and it's a tough time to be in the media and to be an American with consciousness. 
Joel Pollack, senior editor at large, in-house counsel at Breitbart News. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Michael Savage podcast. Always a pleasure. Bye now. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.